Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Front Row Cinema, a movie podcast for movie lovers by movie lovers. I am your host, TJ Trimboli, and with me, as always, is my co-host, oil driller turned astronaut, Mr. James O'Reilly. Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going. And each week we run down a movie from my 1,000 movies in theaters and we see how well it's aged along with the hype surrounding the film, its box office analysis, and its legacy in the film industry. And for our 10th episode no, here, we're no, doing... No, 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 not right, every Jim's, week. Jim's throwing up the hold your horses here. And that is true because every 10 episodes, whenever we hit our 10, our 20, our 30, and so on and so forth, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We are going to do a movie that Jim saw in theaters that I missed out on within the time frame of the movies that we've been doing. So for this week, we are doing, Jim is picking a movie from in between the Lost World Jurassic Park to last week's movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And Jim has picked an absolute whopper of a movie. Jim, what are we watching tonight? Yeah, I, th I felt that for this time, especially um, in the younger years of your life, we needed to find one that it was absolutely criminal that you missed. And you so this week we watched Armageddon. That's right. You definitely went all out because this is a movie that how could you not see it on the big screen? But yes, we're watching tonight the 1998 disaster film Armageddon, directed by Michael Bay, written by Jonathan Hensley and J.J. Abrams, and starring Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, and so many more. We've got the DVD so many more. cover here. Yeah, so many more. We got the DVD cover here so we could read the back and get some good plot synopsis. But Jim, I pulling out the dvd cover like where's my 4k scan man i need my updated for the people out there upgrade my armageddon already please i'm waiting for that good 4k yeah you i don't know it's a it's a it's a unforgivable oversight yeah how could they just sticking us here with the dvd but we look to the back and we read our sweet little plot synopsis here for armageddon when nasa's executive director dan truman played gloriously by billy bob thornton realizes the earth has 18 days before it's obliterated by a meteor the size of texas he has only one option land a ragtag team of roughneck oil drillers on the asteroid and drop a nuclear warhead into its core spectacular special effects laugh out loud humor great characters riveting storytelling and heartfelt emotion make armageddon an exhilarating thrill ride you'll want to experience like there's no tomorrow oh wow wow that's uh, not quite as good a joke as some of the ones from last week, but like there's no tomorrow is not bad. Yes, that's that's not a bad uh, little hook right there to be like to, to get you in there. Not not as as hilarious as last week's Grinch flap jacket, but this one pretty solid right there in and of itself. Although it's really, really hypes itself up there at the end with the uh, spectacular special effects and laugh out loud humor really patting itself on the back. Yeah, I mean, are you saying you didn't laugh out loud during this movie at all? I laughed out loud many times, many deservedly so as how they probably wanted me to, and many the way they probably didn't want me to. Um, but yeah, I most fair. assuredly laughed out loud. Now, as always, we love to talk about um, our memories watching this movie. This was one that I did not see in theaters, Jim, but you gloriously did. So for the first time, I think here, take me through a gym movie going experience back in the day. Yeah, so this is the first one, at least that I can remember having seen. I actually have a memory of seeing this movie. And uh, I was on vacation um, with most of my family. Um, 
and it was July 4th weekend that we went to Disney and me, my dad and my older, one of my older brothers went to go see this in theaters in Florida while we were on vacation. Do you remember loving it as a kid? Were you hooked from the get go? Oh my God. Yeah. This movie ruled. I was so happy that I saw this in theaters. Uh, it was one of my favorite movies still kind of is to this day, although maybe not quite as much after watching it this time. It's been a while. So it's definitely a, a really good 4th of July movie. You know, like you just want something fun on the 4th of July to just like turn your brain off and just watch some spectacle. Like that's for a young kid. Like that's a pretty good option right there. Yeah, exactly. As a, as a, I mean, I must have been like nine or 10 when we saw this in theaters. And uh, yeah, it was everything I hoped it would be and more is the best I can put it. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not. I don't know why I didn't get to see this one in theaters, because this is definitely a big Rob movie. Uh, he watches. Yeah, this movie. we watched this movie constantly growing up. Um, and it's a movie that was always on the TV. And if I, you know, came home from us hanging out at night and Big Rob was watching it, like you bet your ass, I sat down and was watching that movie with him. So it is, it's it's strange that, that we missed that one in theaters. Definitely one of the biggest missed opportunities for us in our movie, in our young movie going experience with Big Rob. But we we rectified it. We watched it religiously in the household as we were growing up. Yeah, well, let me see. Did you do you remember seeing any of these? Uh, Doctor Doolittle or Mulan uh, or Out of Sight? I don't know if you remember Out of Sight. That's the Steven Soderbergh movie, right, with George Clooney? Yeah, Out of Sight's the Steven Soderbergh one with uh, George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Great um, movie. Did not see that. Where... Movie. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess we were probably a little young. Um, the X Files yeah, I mean, came out that was out that same weekend. Mulan should have been a slam dunk, but was not yeah i didn't get into the x-files until way later like i don't think i i, I was in college when i yeah. finally started watching the x-files for the first time so it was late late to the party on that one okay so it sounds like you just stayed home this weekend you didn't go anywhere yeah who knows probably did some fourth of july shenanigans but unfortunately it did not include going to see one of the biggest blockbusters of the summer but speaking of blockbuster performances, Jim, why don't you run down me uh, this just stellar performance by this movie over this summer? Yeah, so like we said, it comes out uh, July 4th weekend of 1998. So July 1st, I think, is the initial release date. And it pulls in opening weekend a little over $36 million, which for that weekend is beating out the second week of Doctor Who, uh, the third week of Mulan, second week of the Soderbergh movie Out of Sight, third week of the X-Files, so a bunch of the ones we just mentioned. The fun fact, coming in in 15th this week, oh, um, which I think is, I think it's still part of its original run, I don't think this would be like a re-release at this point, is Titanic. Oh my God, it's still going strong in the box. Yeah, it's still, and I mean, it, it only makes, like we said, it comes in 15th. It only makes $623,000. Still though, that's a but, decent amount of money for this. It's like, yeah. it's the movie came out back in December. This is now what, July? And it's still pulling in right. six. So it's, it's eight months later and it's still racking up money. And it just, it's brought its total up to 588 million. And I believe that's domestic. That's insane. I know that 36 million for, for Armageddon is pretty good. And that's, that's good enough to slot it in. If we're, you know, charting along with our movies here, just ahead of gladiator, which was 34.8 it opened to and right behind the perfect okay. storm, 
which opened up to 41.3, which is insane that the perfect storm opened up. Yeah, when you put it in that, when you put it in that kind of perspective, right? When a a huge ensemble movie with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and Billy Bob Thornton uh, is is released on a holiday weekend and it's still losing to the perfect storm, that that definitely says a lot for that other movie. I mean, this movie also came in below Scary Movies, forty-two million. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, kind of disappointing, probably. Even though it's number one, I would imagine that this movie is probably looking for bigger numbers there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would eventually go on to bigger numbers. So at least in the long run, it would end up doing better than any of these movies. You know, we talked about. But as far as opening weekend goes, yeah, they were probably right. like shitting right. their pants at that point. Like, yeah. Oh, and, so it's run at number one is also very shortly lived uh much different than last week's movie the grinch which i believe stayed on top for four weeks yeah uh and through that holiday period armageddon um by the by its second week july 10th through the 12th that weekend it's already in second place um what beat it uh, not a bad drop it drops 34 percent down to 23.5 million uh, but it loses oh. out to uh, a real powerhouse of a franchise, at least at the time, Lethal Weapon 4. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, that makes I, don't, I don't know if you remember, but Lethal Weapon 4 was quite a return to form for the Lethal right. Weapon franchise. Right, that's the one with Jet Li? I don't, I don't remember. I remember Joe Pesci's in it. But I think Joe Pesci's been in them since, like, the second one, hasn't he? Or the third one? Yeah, yeah. There's another cop in Lethal Weapon 4. I haven't seen that movie probably since 1998. Yeah, same. So I couldn't tell you. It's In terms of Lethal Weapon movies that I rewatched, there's basically the first one and that's it. That's fine, yeah. But yeah, I mean, hey, Arm- Armageddon would not be the only movie out there to only get one week and then drop out of number one. It's That's a, that's a tale as old as time right there. Yeah. An- uh, How real long did quick... it end in the top ten is the question. How long did it stay in the top 10? Okay, we can yeah, dig like for that was, real quick. Yeah, what was his legs? Also getting know. released that weekend uh, and coming in right behind Armageddon in third. Uh, well, not right behind, but behind Armageddon in third. Small Soldiers. Oh, dude, classic. About million. Yeah, which I also, right I know that I for sure saw small, small Soldiers in theaters at some point. I missed out on that one, but I did have the toys growing up, so... Okay, following week. See, this is this is why we got to look at these runs because this is such an interesting time right here, right? So the following week, Armageddon stays in the top ten, in third place with sixteen point five million, losing out to Lethal Weapon four again. Another movie that I know you love opens this weekend, July seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. Comes in first with a comparatively low twenty two point five million. Mask of Zorro. Oh, dude. Yeah, another movie I, I saw in theaters. fucking love that movie. Yeah, so we're really, I think we're really in a sweet spot here. And it's amazing. I don't think we missed all of these, huh? There's a lot I could have picked from. Yeah, 1998 um, had a bevy of hits. And that, you get no better than Mask of Zorro in my book. Uh, and then week three, Armageddon's all the way down to five. It's pulling in uh, 11 million. Or sorry, is this week, this is week four. Should, yeah, sorry, week, week four. four. Uh, it's already down to five, pulling in eleven point one million. Oof, it's dropping uh, quick. Losing, losing week five, July twenty fourth, nineteen ninety eight's winner, Saving Private Ryan. 
Oh, dude, July 98 was stacked. Right. What a, what a what an insane time, right? Like, These are all could, like really powerhouse like, movies. Like back to back to back you would see Armageddon, then the next weekend go see Lethal Weapon 4, then the next weekend go see Mask of Zorro, and then the next weekend top it off with Saving Private Ryan. Like dude, yeah. God. And then damn. so are we are we trying to ride Armageddon until out of the top 10 or out of the top yeah. 5? Out of the top, I need not top ten. I got to see how long it's staying okay. in the top ten for. That's so his legs week, right there. Week five, it drops to eight. Okay, uh, with seven and a half million, um, stays behind a lot of the ones we mentioned: Lethal Weapon Four, Mask of Zorro, um, something about Mary, and Saving Private Ryan are all running ahead of it now. Uh, notables that come out this week: The Parent <laughs> Trap. I'm assuming the Lindsay Lohan oh, version. Yeah, that's a classic right there. And that's really oh okay hold on there's another really great opening here basketball comes out this weekend oh dude that, good summer that opens, comedy yeah that opens down an eleventh for just a little bit over three million and then I think this is gonna be where we lose it it oh it's <laughs> following week week six it comes yes. in ninth oh it's it's holding on by a thread. Nothing really. Uh, oh, the, there's a new Halloween movie that comes out this week, but Saving Private Ryan's in, in the middle of a pretty good run right now. Which Halloween? It's basically uh, Halloween H2O. H2O, yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. Garbage. A very forgettable Halloween is really what it comes down to. We're going to release a Halloween movie in August. And then week seven, Armageddon in 10th place. Ooh with 4.1 million uh wow opening opening this weekend the avengers everybody's seen that movie right oh yeah oh wait not not that avengers Avengers. different Uh, avengers i see okay the london avengers yes the weird british uh secret agent duo avengers that one's with like ray fines and uh uma thurman i think yeah that sounds right yeah yeah i definitely saw that in theaters with my dad he was a big fan of that original show my condolences a uh, couple other notables from this week releasing Airbud Golden Receiver. That would oh, be the one where he plays football. You want to talk about a franchise potential right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I I believe that's gonna be that's gonna be Armageddon now drops the thirteenth the following week. So it's yeah, out. So, it's All right, out so of seven the top so 10. seven weeks and that's not that's like a healthy average that you see from most movies today is they stick around usually like anywhere from six to eight weeks is usually like a solid run. Yeah, I mean I don't I are a lot of movies even in theaters for six to eight weeks anymore? That seems like that tends to be the average that at least I've seen from um charting um the box office, especially like I, I've been charting it since like 2022 following as as movies come out like recently and that's the average is usually like six to seven weeks like for most movies okay yeah and i mean this so that like you're talking about for a total theatrical run it's like six to seven weeks for most well, movies. In the, at least in the top 10 at least okay gotcha that makes sense yeah it might hold on a little bit longer outside the top 10 but at that point once you drop out of the top 10 you're not really in that many theaters anymore so you're you're holding on by a thread at that point right right yeah all right, so what was the so so we finish off out of the top ten after seven weeks? What's the cumulative total that we're looking at here, Jim? Yeah, so it finishes up eventually when all of the dust settles. It come it comes down to two hundred one. Uh, sorry, two hundred and one point six million domestic, 
352.1 million international for a grand total worldwide of 553.7 million dollars it's not bad and so this is a funny statistic looking at it um mostly because i don't want to get too deep into it yet because i want to save it for when we're really diving into the movie but this movie is so american that it hurts and it's really funny to see that the international total was higher here because it seems like such an oorah americana movie that it's yeah. funny to see it make 352 million internationally here because like outside of the yeah. russian cosmonaut what else does anybody else in the world put into in this movie I mean, there's that one city that gets destroyed that uh, I think it's somewhere in Southeast Asia. I forget which city it is, honestly, which maybe is your point. They're like, it's such a badge of honor just to be uh, included. Yeah. No, but I I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times with some of our, with uh, a handful of the movies we've done where there is this, this almost at this point genre that exists, right? That's the, the late 90s blockbuster. And a couple of movies we've said fits that paradigm. I would say this movie is maybe the most prototypical example I can think of. Uh, it has a very familiar cadence to it. It has a very familiar kind of over the topness to it. And it um, really falls into a lot of familiar tropes in terms of like comedic relief. And it, it's everything I would expect out of a late nineties blockbuster movie. And I don't know. I think that that appeal definitely could be global. I think there's a reason they were making movies that way. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah, I absolutely understand why it has that global reaching um, capacity to it. But also to your point, everybody in the movie is American. Yeah. And NASA is like the savior of the world. And some some random guy with a drill is like our hero, you know, some working class blue collar stiff who, who cusses a little too much, you know. Yeah, it's 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 just funny to look at, but it that's it's still five fifty three point seven uh, worldwide is is pretty solid. That was good enough to make this movie the highest grossing worldwide movie for nineteen ninety eight. So that's that's pretty huge in and of itself. And then it was the second highest grossing domestically behind Saving Private Ryan. So this movie, no yeah. matter where you were, was your big hit for nineteen ninety eight. Right, smashing success. Of, yeah, yeah, had probably seen this movie, and most people probably today too. Like even if they haven't seen it probably have heard of the movie at least yeah i I mean i would i would buy it yeah they've definitely at least heard that aerosmith song right oh yeah that one's all over the place Uh, i don't think you can get anywhere without hearing that fucking aerosmith song i can't stand that dude especially in 1998 i must have watched that video ten thousand times the music video yeah the music video yeah Yeah, which i believe also starred Liv tyler oh yeah absolutely absolute classic right there but so the 553.7 um total here for armageddon is good enough if we're looking at our worldwide charts here to put where does it fall in so it falls in the fourth place spot now just ahead of gladiators 503.1 million total and just behind the lost world jurassic parks 618.6 million yeah So? so i mean that's that's a that's a big number for back then yeah, for so for the, for what we've been charting along with, that's that's very solid. And if you look at it like anything over five hundred at this point is mostly like unheard of around this right, era right. of the movies that we're looking at. So this is 
even though it had that, you know, probably less than stellar opening weekend, this movie probably finished really well for them. Like they got, they are probably very happy with the success from this movie, especially considering that a few months before this movie came out, it's copycat came out first in deep impact. Oh yeah. 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 How can we, we have to get into this, right? This is a, uh, I think Hollywood this, this kind of, this kind of thing was more of a thing back then than it is now. I think it still happens now, but I re I yeah. feel like it happened a lot more around in this late 90s era where two movies about basically the exact same thing come out very close together. And this is, yeah, this is probably the most famous example I can think of where Armageddon and Deep Impact both come out this year, right? And it's interesting that even though Deep Impact got the jump on them, and some people could argue is the better written movie. Are, is that what you're arguing? I'm not, no, I'm not arguing that. Um, I think Armageddon is a much better movie just because it's more enjoyable. Uh, not not to say I don't like Deep Impact, but when Deep Impact tends to take itself a little too seriously. Whereas right. when I want to watch a movie about the world ending, I kind of want it to be over the top and ridiculous and armageddon absolutely understood that assignment so i tend to gravitate towards more to that one and it seems that everybody else did too when you look at the totals for um those movies i don't think deep impact came even close um to armageddon's total yeah so just a couple of like real top level quick hits uh at opening weekend 41.1 million for deep impact deep so better opening and, weekend. Yeah, better opening weekend, but less staying power. It ends up with 140 million domestic and 209 million internationally okay, uh, so for just a shade under 350 million worldwide. So, yeah, so not right, nearly... so it doesn't have quite the staying power and doesn't have quite the broad uh, appeal that Armageddon has. That Armageddon had, yeah, which makes sense because, like I said, I think Deep Impact tends to, you know, just be a little too serious for its own good in that movie, as opposed to this movie that really embraced being absurd and ridiculous and yeah, didn't you know, try to do anything else than entertain you. I don't know that I've ever seen Deep Impact in its entirety. I've definitely watched bits and pieces of it uh, kind of in passing, but I don't yeah. know if that I've ever watched the whole movie. And partially that's because I just want to, if I'm watching a movie about an asteroid, Armageddon's the one I generally want to watch, you know? Exactly. It's almost like when we talk about like the Disney remakes where you're like, why would I watch that when I just have the original? So it's the same way because you'll be watching Deep Impact and you'll be like, why aren't I watching Armageddon? Yeah. And I think, I think this is probably a good point to jump into what we liked and what we didn't like, right? Because you're kind of, or what worked and didn't work because you're kind of on the cusp of it here. You, it sounds like you were a fan of the kind of tongue-in-cheekness that goes on throughout the, most of the middle of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's one of those things that it's both like a pro and a detriment to it at the same time. But this is definitely a movie that knew exactly what it was trying to be and doesn't try and do anything other than give you exactly what you were hoping for when you sat down to watch this movie. And that yeah. goes a long way for me. And I also, just like we were talking about last week 
about what made us like the Grinch so much was that it wasn't afraid to be weird and out there. I have to give uh, this movie also props for being as out there as you could possibly imagine. Like somebody sat in a room and was just like, what if an asteroid was coming? And our only hope was to train oil drillers to dig into the asteroid to detonate a nuclear warhead. And somebody was like, yeah, let's do that. Like it's yeah, the and- fact that they were so committed to that. It, it goes such a long way. Yeah, as high concept goes, which is another really uh, hallmark trait of the ni- late 90s blockbuster, as high concept movies go, sending a, an a oil rig team up to an asteroid to drill a hole in it for a nuclear bomb is pretty up there as like my favorite one that I've seen for a high concept. Um, it's absolutely absurd. It's so absurd. And the idea that they just laugh off in in a finger snap in the blink of an eye, the idea that it'd be much better to train these astronauts how to use that drill than it, it would be to train these other guys to be astronauts. Just the way that they continuously build up how, like, Bruce Willis just has this, like, mind-reading ability to understand, like, the intricacies of drilling that, like, nobody else can get it. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. So like Which, they're just so committed to it. Yeah, well, and it's it's amazing too, because through those scenes it shows two things. The way that he handles that whole initial interaction when they're looking at his drill, but it's the bastardized version of his drill and he's he's dressing them down for how bad it is. It shows one exactly how much of an authority he is that they're trying to copy him and they can't even do it. You know what I mean? Uh, and two, it shows how bent over a barrel they all are because that's also such a benefit that it's a finger snap or a, an eye blink with that, that it changes from astronauts to his guys because they're just like, yeah, you're the best. You know, we have to do what you say because it's the only chance any of us have, you know? So I think, I think that scene's pretty great, honestly. Um, and it's such a great way to lead into the, the, the fun and games kind of parts that you're talking about right now. Yeah, where they're just because like going as, through the as soon as all the guys show up, the movie it hits a different gear that I think is really when it starts to get into swing. Well, it helps that they knew that they needed just a bevy of talent in this movie to help sell the absurdist nature of this movie. And we talk about it so many times about that guy in a movie. This movie is yeah. full of stars and that guys. We have two returning that guys from previous episodes showing up in this movie there was our returning that guys we've got uh peter stromare who was dieter in the lost world returns here right right the russian cosmonaut yes of fargo fame of so many things shows up here as the russian cosmonaut um william fickner who was i forget his character's name but he was in the perfect storm clashing with john c Riley's character he shows up that that old manufactured conflict yeah, that guy. Yeah, he shows up here as one of the astronauts. Um, Keith David is in there at one point as like the oh yeah, Keith David's a good me, one. The president, he's a good one. I love his part in this movie too. Yeah, I think he's probably one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or some yeah. kind of high up general because he's making like big decisions for the military. Yeah. Um, what's his name from Harry Potter? Lucius Malfoy is in this. He's like the 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 guy who they're like he's the smartest guy on the planet. Uh, I think his name is is oh yeah not Jeremy Irons. I think his name is Jer is Jeremy, but I don't remember what his last name is. 
he but looked yeah, really he's, familiar. Yeah, he's yeah, he, definitely he plays that Lucius guy. Malfoy in, in Harry Potter. He shows up in here. Um, obviously, you got Billy Bob Thornton shows up. Steve Buscemi is a character all over the place all the time. Michael Clark Duncan hadn't hit his Green Mile fame yet, so he's all right. Or my yeah, no, I think Green, I think he got Green Mile because of working on this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, Owen I mean, Wilson he was pretty great in this movie. Yeah, Owen Wilson is in this at a note for whatever reason. <laughs> right. Right. Like there's just and then who's who's the did you mention the guy who plays Max? He looked oh. really familiar too. Oh, the big like chunky dude. Yeah, I think his name was Max, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't oh, remember. Jason Jason Isaacs is the the, Jason the one Isaacs. doctor guy. I knew it started with a J, so well, it wasn't Jeremy. It was Jason, but I knew that. Yeah, I've seen Max in things, but I can't remember um what movies off the top of my head that he was in. Hold uh, on, I'm bringing up his IMDb right now. But there is another. I feel like there was another person in there. Oh, um, Will Patton. Oh, he was. <laughs> yeah, Will Max. Patton. Yeah, he's another good one. Yeah, but Bruce Willis is like right hand guy. He's in so much stuff too. Like remember the Titans, uh, the Punisher. Yep. That guy shows up yeah. in so much stuff. The the Postman. Remember that Kevin Costner flick, The Postman. He was in The Postman. Oh, uh, there. Yeah, was doesn't a movie. he play? He plays that general who's trying to reunite the East Coast. Uh, I, I don't. We watched that movie once, like years ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too, have... too in the weeds on it. But yeah, he's in The Postman, I'm pretty sure. That's crazy. Yeah, so this movie is just chock full of just character actors that you would be like, oh, I know that guy from something. Oh, I know that guy from something. Like it's Yeah, yeah. Just And, and they knew they needed that because it was the only way to sell a movie as absurd as this is to have a cast of characters in there that can deliver this like hammy-fisted dialogue. Yeah, and it's 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 definitely part of what makes the movie work, but it also might be the silliest part of the whole movie is how hard they lean into the whole idea that they're um I mean they're basically just a bunch of convicts, right? That's the oh, gist of it. They're <laughs> that was I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that I was waiting to talk about in my dislikes column. And it not dislikes so much that like it ruins the movie for me, but it is I, uh... so weird. That... I think I know what you're going to say, and I would say it's definitely a part that's aged poorly if it was ever good to begin with. Yes, <laughs> it's and it's weird poorly. that it's a thing that continually shows up in Michael Bay's career. Uh, spoiler for the people out there. I mean, if you've seen this movie, obviously you know, but it's weird that Steve Buscemi's character is pretty much a pedophile in this. Yeah, when, when the authorities show up to the oil rig at the beginning uh, to get Bruce Willis to save the to, to tell him that he needs to save the day, what what does Steve Buscemi say? Buscemi's like, first thing is, she told me she was 18, I swear. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which, oh my God, what the hell was that? The first thing out of the gate is like, oh boy. Like, and we're all yeah, supposed to like uh, laugh, like, oh, he's dating jailbait. It's like, yeah, right, that was a joke, yeah. That but was then, a like, joke, and he's supposed to remain likable after yeah. that. But then he repeats it like multiple times throughout the movie. Like he makes a yeah, few well, he, references he to asks, that. Um, the stripper at the bar, like how yeah. old she is, how he like double checks. Is. Yeah, yeah, like like this dude is definitely, if not a pedophile, right on the cusp of being. Like this dude likes barely legal ladies. Yeah, so that was rough. And then I mean, the other guys are are also criminals, but they they're bits are a little bit sillier i think like yeah, michael well, clark duncan running away on his motorcycle from yeah. about 12 cop cars 
they seem more like just petty crime type of criminals, like just kind of like nothing insane, but they're just more just like, they're kind of like derelicts. And I get yeah. that's what they were trying to do to make them all look like derelicts. And they were like, all right, well, how can we make Buscemi one, but not do the same thing as all the other ones? And they're like, oh, I got it. Like he'll be into like barely legal girls. And it's just like, ah. He's just a creep. That's the idea. He's just a creep, right? And And I guess at that point, there wasn't much difference between that kind of a creep and the other creeps in the movie. Maybe. I don't know. It <laughs> seems it's, like there always was a difference. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that's just glaringly noticeable when you're watching it. And it doesn't make it easier having now seen uh, the Transformers Age of Extinction movie where the whole plot point with uh, Mark Wahlberg's daughter. Oh, Dan yeah. The he's dude, got the, who's got the, the card. dude has the card with the laws like on yeah, it, right? The Romeo and Juliet law that says that like he can date an underage girl. And it was just like, dude, like once maybe, but why is this like continually showing up in your movies? Yeah, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I have no comment on that one. I don't want to, I dare I say <laughs> anything about Michael Bay. Peculiar, peculiar things. But yeah, that was probably the most glaring thing to me that would go in my dislikes column the only other thing which again is not even really a dislike it's just something that's so noticeable is is what we were talking about before it's just how fucking american this movie is like the fact that they use they're like how do we get them to like bruce willis like quickly like oh he's this oil driller like what's the first scene we see him oh he's just taking pot shots at people that are like protesting oil drilling yeah against greenpeace <laughs> yeah He's hitting golf balls at Greenpeace. And not only hitting them, but like he's enjoying it too. Like the faces yeah, we see yeah. him making about it. Like Right, right. Yeah. It's just one of those things that it's just like, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So maybe let's let's dig into the beginning a little bit here because I was a little bit on the fence about a lot happened. Maybe the first Very 15, 20 minutes, how I felt about this movie well, rewatching I... it this time. I had so it opens. Forgotten. Yeah, you you go go. It opens at an absolutely insane pace. Insane. It's so over the top. Um, it's within a few minutes, and there's there's always. I don't know if you've ever heard this joke about American movies, but American movies, it's like page one, you meet the protagonist. Page two, you, he's taking a plane somewhere. Page three, the plane blows up. <laughs> no, I haven't heard. That's that. like that's like. Like how American movies are, like they jump into the craziest stuff right away. Uh, uh, but I don't know that there's a better example than this movie where it starts off. They're doing a, like, I guess, like a repair in space, right? And Billy Bob Thornton's leading it from the command center, and the guy doing the repair gets blasted into outer space. His helmet cracks open because he gets hit with a meteor shower. And then within 10 seconds, the city of New York is getting destroyed. Eddie Griffin's poor dog is like hanging from. Yeah, dude, that scene cracked me up too. Uh, well, because it's it's funny watching movies now from back then and how quickly you tense up. Because like the second it showed me the wide shot of New York City and you see the Twin Towers, I'm like, oh, I don't remember. Like, please don't, please don't, please don't. Yeah, yeah. And oh, then, wow. And, and that's a good point. I noticed that too when they, um, th th you didn't notice that part? Which part? When they had they they after the things got destroyed, they cut back to the twin towers, and the top of one of them was like busted and on fire. Oh no, I didn't. I must have missed that. Like, yeah, yeah, that see. happened. At least, that at happened least in it, this movie. At least that's just like you just see like smoke billowing, and like it's not like completely decimated, like they could have done 
um, in that scene because you do see that some of those meteors like completely take out buildings. And oh, yeah. back then yeah. when you want to do spectacle, it could have been an easy layup for them to be like, well, what if we have one like just strike the Twin Towers? And it was just like, thank you for not doing that now in hindsight. Like, Yeah, yeah. Those, that what, definitely worked out, I suppose. Yeah. Another one that also cracks me up is is just the way how quickly he hypes up that like New York City is just a wasteland. Like when the cab drivers got the two Asian people in the back and they're like, what's going on? He's like, it could be anything. It's New York. Someone could have got stabbed. Someone could have got shot. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And that that scene is so over the top so over the top yeah. Dude, when the that way meteor the calves are like first flipping building. yeah like it just <laughs> completely the Samoan guy i think yeah, he was Samoan yeah. yeah and he just gets just clobbered yeah he's selling his godzilla little like tokens on the street which is another hilarious call out for like a disaster movie like we gotta throw godzilla yeah. but dude even yeah, before but... all this insane shit happens i had completely forgotten about that weird intro which was that charleston Hest charlton heston narrating oh that? i had I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. Where he just hypes up like the asteroid that destroyed the dinosaurs. And he's like, it happened before. It will happen again. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, like, it what? will happen again. Not that it can, but it will. And then maybe, maybe the funniest part of the whole movie, when they cut back to Earth and it's 65 million years later. I had completely forgotten that there was that prologue. So like, it, it's amazing. Like just the, what they just pack into yeah, it's... this it's a wonder that this movie ended up two and a half hours long, huh? Yeah, yeah, right. Now that, that was gonna be another comment <laughs> yeah. of mine was that the length this this movie is long. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I mean that prologue probably a thing I didn't necessarily like, or at least didn't necessarily need. You know. Yeah. Um, it had that. Uh, it had that really like kitschy. Um, looking back on it, poor quality uh, effect on the the title screen. Where oh the yeah, letters, where like the Armageddon. Like, they like blew away into fire, but it looked yeah. kind of crappy. This it when had, you look back it, on it in twenty twenty three, '90s special effects wise. And yeah. I, I will say that a lot of the times in this movie too, this is one of those movies where the special effects do not hold up as much. Yeah, there, I think there, there were was, a lot there of was scenes one that I was shot. Like, there was one shot that I really did like, and that was when they flew, when the when the shuttles took off and sent them into space. I, yeah. I For whatever reason, I don't know that it looked like modern or great, but I did like that shot. But overall, yes, you're correct. The special effects were rough. There are some that are passable and look okay. There's a lot that are just all over the place and and look very poorly rendered for, for, yeah. even for 98. But I will say, though, that where they use practical sets... It, it works really well. Like the practical set yeah. of them on the asteroid looks great. Right. It looks cool. And that's, that's something that, that for that movie was memorable for me. Like I remember what that set design looks like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's always a good thing. Cause it had been years since I've seen this, but if, if I can remember with pretty great detail, what your movie looks like, that's, that's a, that's a good sign that you did something right. Yeah, and this this movie definitely, whenever it utilized its practical set set work, it looked way better. Because they even had plenty of scenes where they used practical sets to do the action, like the when they jump the lunar module over the like <laughs> Grand Canyon portion, which is just just is, amazing. Yeah, which is just how how do you top all the crazy stuff they've already done, and then you have that scene. But 
it does look like they shot a lot of it with like miniatures and and you know kind of like a bit of movie magic and that that holds up that still looks good now yeah 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 so like i i right. wish it's, they had it's, done more it's like a lot of movies it's it's like a lot of movies from back then and it's something that we talked about with titanic too where when they rely heavily on the computers in this time period it's very noticeable what looking back you know yeah like a lot of the times when the like when the when the one ship crashes and like flies over the other one it, yeah, it, yeah. it was like oh my god this looks horrible pretty tough yeah how about those uh those reminders when they would cut away to the asteroid and they'd have like a shot of the asteroid hurtling toward earth with all that oh. weird colorful like aura around it not only that it's hurtling towards earth they they managed to add like sound effects of like the asteroid like groaning as it was like floating towards earth like it was menacing yeah like that that cracked me up every time when it would cut to that it was just making like this weird whooshing that is it was like barreling down on earth and yeah like it's the villain of the movie it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's dotty right isn't that what the guy names it in the beginning yeah, it's it's so good oh yeah he's like i want to name it after my wife like she's a blood <laughs> yeah. sucker <too. laughs> yeah you can't escape <laughs> Dottie. No, I will say the the humor definitely lands a lot more than it doesn't in this movie. So that's that's another yeah. thing I feel like I gotta well, give it credit it's, for. It's interesting because I'd say like the humor is probably my favorite part of it, right? But it's also the way that they intermingle that with the action throughout the movie, I think is sort of what makes this movie good or bad. And at different times it works better than it does at other times, right? The, I still don't really know how I felt about the first probably like half hour of this movie. Like basically everything before everyone shows up to Nassau and he's getting the team together, right? It's it's this weird push and pull between the most balls to the walls movie I've ever seen and like something where there's a guy who's chasing after his his daughter's boyfriend and he's mad. You know what I mean? Like it's like. This weird, um, this weird balance between those two things that I think throughout that first half hour, there's an, the push and pull is sort of off about it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think once they all get there, it starts to work where it's, it's silly and they're training and it's fun. And then they're just kind of reminding us every once in a while of what they're doing and that it's looming. Um, and then, yeah, I think one of the big negatives though, is once we get into space, and we're in some of the more life and death scenarios or immediate life and death scenarios, I suppose, because this whole movie really is a big life and death scenario. But um, when you're in those situations, I feel like the balance gets out of whack again, where it's too actiony and a lot of the humor doesn't hit quite as well in those those second half of the movie uh, set pieces. I feel that there's definitely times where the balancing act of humor within action is re a really fine line to straddle. Yeah, like I wish, looking back on it, I don't know that there's a line that Steve Buscemi said um, after he has space dementia, which by the way, what the heck was that about? Amazing, he's got space dementia. And everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, totally. That's yeah, thing. that's like, nobody questioned that at all. Like, what does that even mean, dude? That's the most vague name for something I've ever heard. Is it hypoxia? Is it just he's cracking under the pressure? What does space dementia mean? Space but, uh, dementia. So basically anything he said after he got space dementia, you might as well just cut it from the movie. Because, uh, you know, he's there He's there for laughs, but I don't feel like I laughed a single time. 
Because like all the joke really is is that it's like, hey, hey, look at him. He's cracking and he's just being silly. And it's like, yeah, but like it's not funny. Yeah. I mean, it's right. It's it's too yeah. and silly also, for for how high the stakes have gotten. You know, exactly. Yeah, I feel like it at that point, like especially fit in as well. So I feel like it doesn't play as well. Yeah. Well, once you get into, I feel like they need to know when is the time to start scaling back and cutting out the jokes. And when you're getting into that late fourth quarter bit of this movie, that's your time to. We got to be all game face at this point now. Our, our joking time was for the fun and game section and the middle of the movie. But as soon as we lose Max. And we're and we think we're at our all is lost moment. And then, you know, Ben Affleck shows up with the other module like it's game face for the rest of this movie. Like there should be very yeah. little joking at that point. And it's weird, too, because like the jokes that they're doing with Steve Buscemi are insanely dated. Like he does like the Doctor Strange love bit. And it's like outside of like real big film nerds, like who's going to get that bit? Yeah, well, I mean, and I get my point is I get the bit, and it, but it wasn't funny. You know what I mean? It, I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, haha, ha, good one. I was like, oh, that's so lame. You know? Yeah. Well, it's it's a movie that probably doesn't lend itself to referencing other movies. Like, there's there's no need for that joke to be in there. It's it's yeah. too self-effacing at that point. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily trying to like critique the jokes in super yeah. granular no, I, detail, I... but just something about that balance between. Uh, balls to the walls action and really silly humor just yeah. like it slides out of whack in the end of that movie probably like for like the last at least hour you know which is a pretty long time for uh, again to lose something that i think makes most of the rest of the movie work you know yeah well it's definitely like a time and a place for it uh at least for me i feel like a lot of the humor that i gained from this and i and i don't even know if this is something that was like purposely done on their end but a lot of the humor gained for me is in those not necessarily the dialogue but in just the absurd action of how far they're going with how silly it is like like we were talking the space dementia like that cracks me up because it's just like what the fuck are you, what like that's absurd or like another yeah and that, that i think gets... that's something you're right i don't know that 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 one was meant to be a joke that just feels like a throwaway line that yeah. just sounds really weird you know yeah, or like in, like the humor that comes from me is when they're like, we lost a drill head and they're freaking out and they're like, the president's saying to to do the order and William, William Fichtner opens up the safe and they're just like, why do you have a gun in space? And like, there's just like the the pistol in there and it's like, they brought a pistol to space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I definitely was laughing at that part because of just how insane it had gotten so quickly. Yeah, it's like... Um, like Armageddon has sp like space mutinies in it, you know? Yeah, like it's one of those movies where you're like, just when I think this movie can't get any more ridiculous, somebody pulls and a pistol were, in space. What were those things he put up to his neck? Were those like bolt cutters? What was he going to do with those? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. He had him around his neck and he convinced him to to give him the, the time to drill to 800 feet. Yeah. Or is it feet or meters? I don't know if it was metric. Probably not, because of how American this, this is. This is America, man. I ain't doing no meters here. <laughs> yeah. But I just... But I, no, I, so, yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, yeah. Another, I think another bit um, where good humor comes from is in the character of Peter Stromer. And I don't know if that's entirely up to just, like, how much I enjoy Peter Stromer, as opposed to, like, what they've written of him to be funny. But he yeah. works for me in this movie, because he's just, like, a bumbling clown but at the same time is like one of the most 
experienced guys up there. Like at the end of the movie, when the girl's just like reading the manual, trying to press the buttons, and he's like, "Let me show you how we do it in yeah. Russian space station," and he just starts beating so the shit stupid. out of it. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> They're just like, "What if we sent Russian Charlie Chaplin up there?" And like he's that's in the movie. yeah, that's another stock '90s blockbuster character is the guy who's just totally kooky and does wacky stuff that like somehow always works out. Like it's and and he's and it works. He's he's one of the brighter spots in this movie when it comes to the characters. Um, yeah. Because you know you know who kind of uh, bores me throughout this entire movie. Uh-oh. Ben Affleck. No, not Ben. What is it? What do you mean? You don't like Ben? I mean, I it's and I don't think it's his fault. He's just he's just got to play the straight character, the guy who's in love with the the oil drillers like daughter and he's just trying right. to like prove his worth like he he has the least amount to do i feel like in the movie other than to just be there and say like the prototypical main character lines you know yeah i guess so right and he's another one he doesn't he doesn't try to joke too too much i don't think um yeah, very, but yeah i think he limited i think you're right i think it's more that his role is limited than anything else but for somebody think, who's like technically supposed to be one of the main characters, like if I'm right, supposed to well, care at the end that Bruce Willis is giving up his life for this kid, like you yeah, don't really I mean, give him a lot of meat and potatoes. Did you not care? I totally cared. I've seen oh, this movie 10 times and it still hits me at the end when he does that. Well, I care that Bruce Willis sacrifices himself, but I don't know that I've really cared at all to learn enough about Ben Affleck's character to think that he deserves it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, I, yeah. this movie manages to always make me cry at that end point when Liv Tyler like says goodbye to her dad. Like it yeah. just it gets Daddy, me every no. time. Yeah, it, it it gets me every time. But at the same time, that's entirely up to their two performances in that scene, and has nothing to do with Ben Affleck's character. Yeah, no, time. that's that's fair. Yeah, I just I don't know. I think. I like this movie and I like the the balance between the three of those three characters in the story. Um and I think that the ending works best if it's just as much about Ben Affleck as it is about Liv Tyler. Like he's you know, it's I mean he's giving his daughter something, which is the big thing, but also he's you know, he's finally giving them his approval and uh he's AJ's finally achieved something in Bruce Willis's eyes. So it makes all that stuff so much more heart wrenching when Bruce Willis like has to give up his life to achieve it, you know? No, absolutely, I, I definitely agree with that. I so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but also Ben Affleck probably wasn't like the greatest actor in this movie. You're right. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where like you you feel both sides of it evenly. It feels like because it still it still works for me and it still gets me. You know, I still tear up at the end of this movie, um, but at the same time, like he feels such like a stock main character. Yeah, and by the way, their relationship is another, it seems like such a nod to Americana. The oh, whole, absolutely. uh, them just sitting in like a field with a muscle car next to them, you know, just hanging just out, having, having like, a picnic. The picnic, it's a beautiful day out, like. Yeah, or, or when they're, they're draped over each other in the, uh, the thruster of the shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a cool shot where yeah, it's, the... it's weird, like. You could picture it's almost that exact same scene as them in the field with the muscle car next to them or the same feel of it anyway, but it's in that interesting place like that was pretty cool. And uh, it, it definitely. Definitely. Uh, it, it works like it's 
you feel the tropes and the sentimentality of it, but it it works at the end of the day. Like we, you could sit here and be like, I can see that they're what he's doing and how it's manipulative, but it it works. It gets you. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't I can't entirely fault it because it, it does get me, and I do at the end of this movie every time. Like when he's when he's like, Daddy's gotta go now. <laughs> yeah. No, but just oh man, when they draw straws, Ben Affleck was good in that scene. No, I thought that scene was great. No, no, I did that. That was one of the better ones with him. And I think his whole section when he's with Peter Stromer is his best work because he has the most agency at that point. Yeah, yeah. Everything well, yeah, else he just kind of feels like he's in service of, of Bruce me, Willis. Yeah, that's part of what keeps me engaged throughout that that part of the movie, honestly. The most is that Ben Affleck is showing off, you know? This is his chance to actually prove himself. And yeah. and it's it's the situation is perfectly tailored for him. He needs to be aggressive to get through all this stuff, you know. Yeah, he needs absolutely. to jump that rover over the canyon like Evil Knievel, with a guy <laughs> hurtling off the back of it, holding on to a rope. That got me too when he was just like, "You ever heard of Evil Knievel?" He's like, "No, I never watched Star Wars." <laughs> yeah, like, that's such a it. bad joke. Such a bad joke. It is, but that's you know we talk constantly here about how I have I will laugh at legit anything, and that that proves it that when I laugh at that line, I will laugh at anything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so okay, so I don't know. I think it seems like we both like this movie. I think we've covered a pretty oh, wide absolutely. range well, of of we, parts, we, and we did have definitely run the gamut. I have one last thing that when it happened, I was just like, I can't wait to talk to Jim about with this. But what was with the weird ass section when Bruce Willis clicks the button to die and him and, and Liv Tyler have that weird moment of like connectivity oh, yeah. in the afterlife and you see like her, the both of their lives flash together in this weird and then he's, they're, they're both in like a black backdrop like looking towards like the camera. Yes. And I don't know like, what that was. What the fuck was that? Like that yeah, happened was... and I was like that was a choice. It was wacky, yeah. I don't know what the heck it was about. And it it felt like it definitely took away from that moment for me. Yeah. Dude, for it me. It definitely made it about something other than the people. And then yeah. the people was who I really wanted it to be about at that point. It was one of those things that in a movie where I've seen insane shit like them jumping a rover over a space canyon in space dementia, that that felt like the most out of place thing in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right about that. And yeah, I don't know. I guess as a general thing, I didn't like. I just like the the action sequences also felt pretty dated. A lot of that stuff felt, um, especially when windows were breaking in space. Anytime somebody's window or helmet broke, it always looked so cheesy. Those two dudes just get sucked right out of the front of it. Yeah, I thought the whole uh, the whole space station sequence when the space station explodes was kind of like, eh, you know, I didn't really love that part very stocky action yeah yeah and all all very all very seemingly plot focused you know where it's just um where somebody's saying okay but at this point in the movie there needs to be another big obstacle so let's make this thing blow up you know um yeah, right but all, like, it, it, it's ultimately pretty shallow it doesn't feel earned in any way we got to talk about michael bay man yeah michael bay is uh quite a director i mean i I can't fault him enough because even though he has all these really like absurd tendencies, 
his movies are never boring. Like he's never made a movie that I was like, this is dog shit. I can't take it. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is Michael Bay, just for some context, up to this point in his career, and it looks like he'd been around since the late 80s, but up until this point in his career, he's been directing, directing mostly music videos. And we did this a little bit last week with Ron Howard, where we're looking at a string of, of movies um, just to get a sense of like where this person was at their career. So his first feature movie that I can see, like I said, after a bunch of music videos, his first feature movie is Bad Boys in 1995, which is a hit. Um, he makes another music video, 1996, The Rock, the Sean Connery movie where he's got to escape from Alcatraz or so I guess pretty, break into Alcatraz. Yeah, he's pretty reserved, though, at least in the early part of his because even though those are like high concept, it's not as like insane Michael Bay that you think of today. Yeah. And then so Armageddon, right, is really the first movie where it feels like a Michael Bay movie in a big way. Yeah, where he really started to do his tropes of like that old school, like Americana feeling coupled with huge explosive action stock. Yeah, characters. yeah, because that that feeling is definitely in the Transformers movies, right? That's there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure they do that exact like the the framing of the beautiful day of them at the picnic is almost shot for shot of when Shia LaBeouf sees Megan Fox working on the car. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that beautiful day out and you see that, like, like that ridiculously sexual shot of her, like working on like the car. Yeah. They're definitely trying to achieve similar things at least. Yes. Right. And they're it, like, tonally they're in a very similar place. Absolutely. Yeah. So, right. So, okay. So he makes Armageddon in 1998. And then the movie after Armageddon is Pearl Harbor 2001, <laughs> which is probably where you really start to look at Michael Bay as a negative, you know, um, that movie, movie is not so good. So I guess what we're learning is Armageddon was like a huge roaring success for him, but it also gave him his pro like probably his worst tendencies. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I this I have mixed feelings about Michael Bay in general. Um, I think that I do, like you said, think a lot of his movies are entertaining. Um, I also think that, in a weird way, and this is going to sound ridiculous, I think, to say about Michael Bay, but in a weird way, he's always pushing boundaries. You know, of of he's a genre filmmaker, right? He's making action movies. He's making you know, big spectacles. Yeah. Um, but he's always pushing the boundaries of what big spectacles can be. And I think Armageddon's a really good example of that. No, I get I get what you're saying. And I could definitely echo those sentiments that for, for what he's trying to achieve, you'd be hard pressed to find other people who can do it to the same level. Like the like, only like at this like, point, what on. are the other space movies at this point? Independence Day. Yeah, I guess that's a big one. Yeah, but doesn't a lot of that happen on Earth, though? Yeah, but I mean, you do have like the most of it happens on yeah, Earth. Most I of it happens like. on Earth, but but it's the same type of like bombastic, huge action extrapolation that you think of with. Oh, Michael. yeah, for sure. What I'm talking about though is like scenes actually in space. Oh yeah, for, well, for the only movie I can think of that had space scenes around them was like what, like Apollo 13 was out in the 90s, which was heavily set in like outer space yeah so i don't know i like the, i feel like you could point at this movie armageddon and say that it's it's 
setting a lot of standards for what space and action movies are going to be going forward. I could see that. Yeah, which in a weird, you know what I mean? So like, I like, I don't know, I would say Michael Bay is like revolutionary, but he's definitely pushing the boundaries of the genre of films that he makes. That's that's Absolutely. the way I look at it. Absolutely. I would definitely echo that then. So where where would you place Armageddon in the pantheon of Michael Bay movies for you? Oh, okay. So, I, I mean, first I would say it's probably near the top of that set of four that I just threw out there. Um, I do like Bad Boys and The Rock. Pearl Harbor, not as much. But I think Armageddon's probably my favorite out of those. Uh, going forward, Bad Boys 2, I probably like Armageddon more than Bad Boys 2. Uh, I've never seen The Island. I like all the Transformers movies. Um, I might, I might say Revenge of the Fallen is above Armageddon. Stop it. No, what you don't like? No, is that that's crazy? You don't think oh, so? Well, we'll we'll save that for when we get to the Transformers. My okay. thoughts yeah, on, I mean, on that franchise. It's up there, and I I didn't really like Six Underground. I saw that movie, and then Ambulance oh, is Ambulance was funny, but yeah. So yeah, we definitely. Yeah, I, have you I, seen Ambulance, by the way? Oh yeah, that is that is a another perfect example of just like absurd action from Michael Bay. Like, yeah. and I love that he, I love that he does not give a fuck about how things actually would explode. Cause I think there's a scene in that where you see the ambulance just drive through two cars, but then two cars like on the outside of those two cars explode. And it's like, <laughs> why, why, how, yeah. why would that happen? <laughs> yeah who cares that's what are you kidding me that's not i don't care why things explode or how they should explode i just want to see something that looks cool so yeah so he's he's always he's always doing that yeah for me armageddon top top of the heap for for michael bay yeah really the top of the tops right it's got to be up there for me it would only be this or the rock um at the top for me um because spoiler you know, like alert, any of the i, I what about hate... the bad boys movies do you like those I I haven't seen them in a long time, so I can't really speak to little, those. Little Mike um, Larry. Yeah, I remember enjoying the first one. I remember when I first saw the second one, I fucking hated it because it was so long and it had that like extra coda in like Cuba. Yeah, the but, bonus movie where they go to Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, but I feel like I might enjoy it better now watching it. But I haven't seen it since I was like a, a kid when we were in high school and watched it. So I would have to rewatch that one to really give like. I like Bad Boys it. too a lot. That's another one that has a, a really memorable scene for me. When they're on the freeway and they're throwing cars at the cars that are chasing them. They're on that like they're on that big truck that has a bunch of cars on it. Okay. And they're like pushing cars off the back of a bigger transport on the freeway at the cars yeah. that are chasing them that sequence is so cool yeah i i, I do have to rewatch that movie because i i haven't seen that one in a long time and i think i might appreciate it more now um pearl harbor i enjoy the scene of pearl harbor on, <laughs> which sounds terrible to say but I like that portion of that. Like when he does action I, in that movie. I, I think, think everybody funny. understands you mean you like that part of the movie and not that you were rooting for the Japanese or anything <laughs> like that. Just in case anyone, it wasn't clear to anybody. So, <laughs> um, I hate most of the Transformers movies. Really? I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, definitely think that a lot of them are hateable. I like the first one. 
I we will be very different on Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> oh, Revenge of the Fallen, so good. I hate that movie. And then um, the island also is it's it's not terrible, but it's not anything like spectacular and noteworthy. And then, and like you said, the less said about Six Underground, the better. Yeah, it was not great. I didn't really like it. Yeah, well, that was, was also a streaming movie, and I, I streaming movies are just so was Ambulance, by the way. I no, think, it wasn't. I think Ambulance. Oh, did it? Yeah. Huh. I thought it was an Amazon movie. It might. It might. It came out. I think it was twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. So it might have been when they were still doing like the day and date releases, where like they put it in theaters, yeah. but also put it like on streaming for anyone that didn't want to risk going to the theater. Sure. Um, yeah. But it definitely came out in theaters because that's where I saw it. Ambulance. That movie. I don't know. That's got to be up there in the Michael Bay pantheon. Actually, it's very silly. But... I'll put it in, in top five. But all right, so all right, so we both have Armageddon pretty high up on the Michael Bay. Where does this fall on Bruce Willis for you? Ooh, now that's a good question. Right? I, I would still say it's pretty high he's up. He's your Bruce leading Willis. man in this movie. He's your he's your hero. He's your too cool for school, bravest man I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, I just like to shake the hand of the daughter, the bravest man I've ever met. It's like shut up. Um, so I would where, put where this, is this all for him because he's he's also really prolific, especially in this time period. He has done a lot of work, but at the same time, like I feel like a lot of it was not great. He definitely uh, has some, yeah, some all star classics, but he was another one that did a lot of very questionable movies throughout his time. But yeah, I would okay, definitely so put this up up, let's, up with any of the classics. Let's do it this way. Do you put where do you put uh, or? Let me know who do you take? Who do you got here? Um, Armageddon or the Fifth Element? Armageddon. Armageddon. Okay, okay. That's see, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Fifth Element, but that's also a movie that I would have to rewatch again because I haven't seen that in a while. But I still would probably put Armageddon above it. I think I'm probably taking the Fifth Element, uh, just for the weird factor alone. Fifth Element's really weird, and I like that. Armageddon or 12 Monkeys? 12 Monkeys is probably the better movie. But if you sat me down and were like, what would you rather watch right now? 12 Monkeys or Armageddon? I'd be like, Armageddon. I, I, uh, Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, I haven't seen 12 Monkeys in a long time. It's a good movie. I remember it's not the a movie that I would want to like go back and watch a lot, you know? Yeah, I remember the ending, and I feel like, just from what I remember of the ending, that the ending would not be as good to me now, because it has a very tropey kind of time travel ending. Yes, it does. Where somehow it loops in on itself, and you're not really supposed to think about that too hard, because the second you do, it stops making any sense at all. Yes, it does. But yeah, that's a movie that doesn't have, while it might be the better made movie, it doesn't have that rewatchability factor that I look for. So I would go Armageddon. Armageddon or The Last Boy Scout? Oh, now you're getting tough because, dude, Last <laughs> yeah. Boy Scout, Shane Black. I'm trying, like, to, I'm trying to keep these hard. I'm not going to be like Armageddon or Die Hard, you know, because that's, that, that's an easy, easy choice. Oh, that's a, I would. Oh, fuck. That's a tough one. What would you pick? I don't know, man. I, I watched The Last one. Boy Scout pretty recently. I think that's a fun I, fucking movie. Yeah, it's it's very Shane Black, which obviously because he's a part of it makes sense. But um, I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, tough. But I think I'm tough. taking Armageddon over the yeah, last. Yeah, I, I, I think I would take Armageddon also. 
it's all it's just it's so equal in terms of absurdity at points though yeah the beginning of the last boy scout when they're at the football game and the receiver takes out a gun and just starts shooting people as he's running yep. into the end zone yep it's one of the craziest things i've ever seen in a movie and it's in no way realistic or believable yeah. um but it's still cool to watch you know that's a perfect so, movie to show people to be like the 90s were a wild time man. like they were just making anything yeah so yeah i think i mean the last boy scout's weird but i think i'm taking armageddon did you did you pick one there yet or were you looking for my uh no i would i would i would agree. i would i would go armageddon also okay so i got one that's not i got one that's not a close pick for me but i'm interested Actually, to see what you would say um okay. here we go armageddon or unbreakable oh armageddon really yeah i'm an armageddon guy. i uh spoiler alert is gonna be a hot take for me i am not the biggest fan of that movie of unbreakable of unbreakable yeah it's not it's not one that was really in my way or really like grabbed me it's a good movie but i think i think i'd have to go armageddon okay yeah i mean that that's definitely fair i don't think that opinion's insane i know you really uh, enjoy that movie I'm, I'm sure you would pick unbreakable I think Unbreakable's really good, really spectacular. I don't know. I don't know if I would say Bruce Willis is a main reason. Yeah. Um, he's definitely good in Unbreakable, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's probably he's probably better in Armageddon, but I think I, I it's not very close for me in terms of the movie. Um, there there's no scene in Armageddon for me that gets anywhere close to the scene where the kid takes his dad's gun and is pointing it at him in unbreakable because he fully believes his dad is an impenetrable uh in like totally free from vulnerability superhero yeah. and that if he shoots him nothing bad will happen uh and that kid's pointing a gun at his dad and it's one of the most intense scenes i've ever seen in a movie uh and it still gives like it's like the hair stands up on my neck just gives thinking you, like, about like the, the tension on that so yeah it's unbreakable for me is an easy pick there it's fair. I, I do have to go back, and that's another one that I should really rewatch and see if uh, my feelings have changed at all. Because that's another one I haven't watched in a, in a hot minute. And the the only other thing I wanted to cover was potentially J.J. Abrams, um, because he does get a writing credit, as you mentioned way back in the beginning of this episode. Just crazy. Um, this was probably like one of his first big writing credits, right? Because he didn't really get big until the mid two thousands with Lost. So to see that he was popping up as far back as 1998. Well, so I don't know. I, I'd say we probably didn't hear his name until Lost. But so yeah, let's run through I mean. his credits really quick. He has a few credits as Jeffrey Abrams with some movies that I don't think I've seen. Um, Very And I couldn't tell you what they're about. Jeffrey Abrams. Uh, this is really his first um, big noticeable movie credit that I can see where he gets a his, screenplay credit. His rechristening as J.J. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I think, also his first credit as JJ. Besides, maybe there's like a short in here. Um, but so, yeah, so there's this. Then he gets Joyride. And then he goes on to create two TV shows. Wait, um, wait. Hold on. The Joyride, the Steve Zahn movie? Like the, when Paul uh, Walker? Yes. Yep, Steve Zahn, <laughs> wrote, Paul Walker. He wrote that movie? Yeah, writers Clay Tarver and J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. That is hilarious, that movie. Yeah, so he gets those two movie credits, and then he creates two really popular TV shows that 
I, I mean, I'm going to guess that you've at least heard of both of these. Uh, he I, creates uh, Felicity. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Never yeah, watched and it. And then he creates, um, he creates Alias. Alias, yeah. Never watched that one either, but I heard, I heard Alias is really good. Yeah, Alias was good. I never watched Felicity, but it had a it had a nice run on TV there. Yeah, they were both on for a while. Yeah, and then after that, his next big writing credit is uh, Mission Impossible Three in two thousand six, which is then when he really when we really started to know everything about him and see everything he would be putting out. Okay, all right. Here's one that I think I know where you're <laughs> gonna pick. Um, right, I'm also here. interested to see. All right, here we um, go. For JJ Abrams, would you take Armageddon or Super 8? Super 8, dude. You fucking know, I know. how much I love that movie. I know you movie. love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just. Dude, I, Super I figured 8 that's what you were fucking day. That was a good. That was a good barometer, though, now. So now I get a sense. You like Armageddon, but it's not quite on Super 8 levels for you. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. A little bit below that. A little bit, yeah. Dude, that's that's classic right there. But I mean, any any type you're harnessing that type of like Spielbergian style of movie, you you've got if if you could do it well, you got me. All right. It seems like we've run the gamut here on Armageddon. Do you have any other final thoughts, Jim? No, I think that's it. I think I think we basically covered it. All right. So now we move into everybody's favorite, Jim's favorite moment. We were we we oh, poised boy. the question last week. Would Jim's pick be the movie that undoes the list here? And we're about to find out right now. See, Jim, is, let's have you go first. Your this is an interesting rating. one because I'm doing what I do every week at this point. And it's I come into the episodes with a rough idea of what I think of the movie. And then as we talk about it, I kind of solidify that idea for myself. And then when we get to this point, what I'm doing is I'm trying to predict what you're going to say, because I am trying to manipulate the final list here. I'm trying to get this to fall where I want it to fall. That's why I always make you go first. So that way, like <laughs> I, I can feel yeah. where that's going. Very smart on your part. And so I'm a little I'm a little thrown off at this point because <laughs> I thought when I was watching this that you were going to come in um, on the low end. And mm -hmm. now that we've talked about it, I think you might come in a little bit higher than I thought. But I'm going to I'm going to stick with what what I was leaning toward coming into this episode. I'm going to give Armageddon a two and a half out of wow. five. A two and a half. Yeah, yeah, because I do like this movie. Um, I am a big fan of it. It definitely, its flaws were definitely more glaring as time has gone on. So I, I expected to give this a three or a three and a half. And I, I, as I was watching it, I just couldn't allow myself to go that high. Uh, so I'm going to come in two and a half. Yeah, two and a half out of five. All right, two and a half out of five. Jimmy, you... In this, I, I thought it would end up that I would be the harsher critic here. And it's very interesting to see that that is not the case here, that you end it up It became being... clear to me that you were going to be higher than me as we were talking. <laughs> While I do nitpick movies a bunch, and I do look at those glaring issues, I do always at the end tend to look at, despite all that stuff, did this movie still work for you? Did it get you in the feels? Did it, did it do its job? And so those are always a factor when I look into for a movie, and especially as you know, we always talk about here, rewatchability is always big for me. 
And this is definitely a movie that, despite all of its things that we talked about in its negative columns, this is a movie that I do continuously watch, you know, every couple of years or so and always enjoy. And it does always manage to get me in those feels like we talked about this movie. No matter how many times I watch it, no matter where I start to watch it, at the end when it gets to that scene where they have to say their heartfelt goodbye, it gets me. It tugs it, it, it tugs at my emotions every time. So I have to give the movie the props for being able to elicit those emotions out of me and just being a fun movie. I give this movie all the props in the world for just being as absurd as it possibly can and just trying to be a piece of pulp entertainment. So I tend to rate it in that sense too, where I'm going along it as being pulp entertainment and not so much rating it based on like my critiques for it. So this movie is going to come in high for me. And I think you're going okay. to be a little, a little, it might be a little too high for some people, but I'm going to give this movie four stars. Wow. Four out of five. Four, four out of five stars for this because it had the nitpicks in there to keep it from being a perfect movie. And obviously this movie was never going to get anywhere near close to being a perfect movie, but for what this movie sets out to do and give you on its premise, I think it exceeds on all those levels. Yeah. It's, I don't it's, know. it's just I, a fun. I want to give it a movie. four. I wanted to, but it just, it didn't quite deliver it that way for me this time around. And that's fair. It, that's fair. Um, between the length, because again, did not need to be two and a half hours long. This movie could have yeah. easily come in at like two hours, two hours, 15 minutes tops, and it would have been fine. Um, so yeah, between the length and then um, just the, the, I don't know, not the overall silliness of it, but the, the way that it would push so balls to the walls sometimes didn't hit for me. You know, it it took away, it made it almost cheesy. So those two gotcha. things definitely knocked my score down. It's fair. It's fair. But all right. So with a two and a half from Jim and a four from me, I think the list continues for Jim once again this week. It, it gives it a healthy 6.5. I don't know. Is it ahead of Pokemon? It's ahead of Pokemon. Okay. Then, yeah, I think we're in good shape then. As long as it's not tied with Pokemon, I think we did it. So, so right now it sits at a 6.5 right behind the Grinch with seven and just ahead of star Wars episode one with six. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, that's probably not, that's not terrible. I think yeah. that that's at least defensible. I probably would put this movie ahead of the Grinch, although I think it would be close, but yeah, I think we're still, I think we're still in pretty good shape. It's right in that sweet spot right there. But then so, I, yeah, gave, I, I gave Grinch a higher score. So what? A, nothing I say means anything. <laughs> you did. You gave what? The, the Grinch a three? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. Do, I have him pretty neck and neck though. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think the list continues to, to thrive for another week. Yeah, it's alive. It's alive. I think it's alive. Maybe not as well as it was last week, but still alive. Dude, imagine you gave it the four and it got an eight. I would have lost it, dude. <laughs> I would have lost it. Thank God. Thank God it didn't. The list is good. The list continues. Would I guess have, it works. Would that have put it ahead of Gladiator? No, right? Gladiator no, got no. like a nine something. Yeah, Gladiator got a 9.5. So if it had gotten an eight, it would have been in third place right behind Gladiator. Which definitely would have been a, a high spot for it. So I guess I guess it works well that for any one of these movies, it tends to, we 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 tend to skewer. So they kind of even themselves out. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's helping keep the the list the list a a, a good a good thing right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So far, so good. Fingers crossed so, on the so future. Far, so We've good. made it through ten. We've made it through ten. Will the next ten gift us good ample opportunities as well, or will this list crumble under its own weight? That will be the yeah. What's uh what's what's coming up next? Forward. So next, we return now back to the thousand movies that I've seen in theaters, and we continue along with our journey. I will give you a glorious hint, as always, Jim, to see if you can guess what movie is up next on the block. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure this movie is still a 2000s movie. I think we're still in the year 2000. I'm pretty okay. sure this, this came out at the tail end of 2000. It is a survival movie. Survival movie. Yes, and it stars America's favorite thespian, like America's the Jimmy, like, the Jimmy Stewart of our era. The Jimmy Stewart of our <laughs> era. Jeez, what the hell does that mean? I get, I get, I give you because um, yeah. directed by the man who gave us such hits as Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part Two, and Back to the Future Part Three interesting that's zemeckis right back to the future that is robert zemeckis yeah so a zemeckis survival movie are you are you like that should give it away hold on a second are you telling me that tom hanks is the jimmy stewart that's what you're trying to tell me right now (laughs) tom hanks is absolutely the jimmy stewart of our generation how dare you compare tom hanks to jimmy stewart how dare you sully tom hanks like that could you could you imagine Road to Perdition starring Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> I rest. My Actually, hands. I I would watch that. I would watch that movie though. <laughs> You're telling me that doesn't sound good to you? The Road to Perdition with Jimmy Stewart. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of any classic lines from that movie, and yeah, then I'll say like, I'm like Jimmy Stewart, but I can't think of anything. So I guess you have the movie then. Now that you've got Tom Hanks. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. It's got to be Castaway, right? It is Castaway. We we now yeah. turn our attention to the tail end of 2000 for the survival movie Castaway. Um, this is going to be a fun one because I also haven't. This is a movie that I don't think I've seen since I saw it in theaters. So this will be yeah. an interesting one to return to. This is another one. I didn't see it in theaters. I def I watched it on home video. I probably rented it. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what I think of it because I also only saw it that one time and I was not the biggest fan. So this is this is gonna be like a almost like a a first time rewatch for the most part. Like we're going through it fresh again, almost yeah, as if we're seeing it for the first time. It's definitely one I'm excited to look at with fresh eyes for sure. Oh yeah, so that's gonna be a good one. But that will be for next week's episode. Be sure to tune back here next week when we dive into all the gloriousness of Castaway. Jim, do you have anything to leave the people with tonight? No, I don't. Harry, another another week, another. <laughs> One day, Sorry, people, this, he will have this something. This movie was very emotional. Okay, it was hard to get through uh, to the end without tearing up multiple times, and uh, I just wasn't in the right headspace. Okay, he just he just he couldn't get into that frame of mind to give you the goods. Yeah, it's all right, Jim. Yeah. We'll give you we'll give you the week off this week. It was it was an emotional toll for you after watching Armageddon. But we'll see you all back here next week when we dive into Castaway. And as always, we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>